What is up, everybody? Welcome to DFS MVP, the week three, episode 224. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. Back, as always, with my co-host, Mr. John Daigle. Daigle, what's up, buddy? How you feeling about uh, week three so far? It is a tough week. I'll say that. We have a lot to talk about in this show. Yeah, we definitely have a lot to talk about on this show. Um, I have a feeling all, all of our DFS content, uh, written content, comes out on Fridays. I have a feeling that we're both going to be doing some heavy editing throughout Sunday morning. Uh, so obviously, we'll give you guys as much goodness as we can here. But definitely make sure you hop in that 4 for 4 Discord uh, chat, subscriber-only chat, uh, so you can get those last-minute thoughts. But um, let's jump right into it today because we do have a lot to talk about. Uh, for those that have been listening for the first two weeks, you guys are already familiar with the decision point for uh, people that maybe missed the uh, the first couple of weeks. Every week we go over the one thing that we're looking at that can be um, that's really going to determine our slate, not just from a player standpoint point but for more more of a macro dfs theory standpoint so uh what what is catching your eye this week from uh for your decision point first off there are a lot of question marks heading into the slate that's really the yeah. issue in discussing it early but whereas i thought i was going to ask you about potential spending down players i think we're actually going to get quite a few by sunday morning so i'm no i'm no longer worried about getting yeah. value i'm no longer worried yeah. about getting value in this slate what i want to ask is what offense do you think will be forgotten what will be overlooked as we're shifting around by sunday morning i would initially say the chargers even if we get justin herbert but given that now we have both Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert is questionable, that late news is going to attract people uh, for better or worse. So I think the offense that will be forgotten about is probably the Bengals against the Jets. And so premium Burrow double stacks, I think, will come in probably less rostered than they should given yeah. the matchup against the Jets. But that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I think we – let's see. We have um, six teams on the main slate with a – total of uh 20 higher than 25 um the bills are up top with the vikings at 29.25 so no team at 30 or above which is where uh a single offense can really separate itself but there is like a, a pretty significant uh teardrop after the Bengals. then it goes all the way down to the Raiders at 23.75 so outside of the Bengals, my decision point is kind of similar to yours um in in that obviously all six of those teams aren't going to be able to uh, draw a ton of ownership, but I, I don't think it's one of those weeks compared to last week where we want to get cute outside of, of those games. Like last week it was, it was, and actually some of these teams got steamed like Washington last week. Um, but, but I thought it was okay to go after some teams with some somewhat lower totals. Again, there also weren't as many premium quarterbacks on the slate on this slate. I think it's going to be really important to lean into those best offenses, Vikings, bills, chiefs, Eagles, uh, Rams, and then, as you mentioned, the Bengals. I look for unique pieces there, at least in tournaments. Um, I, I, I don't think it's a week where I'm going to be looking at any of the obscure games and trying to get cute there. That's fair. But, and I don't know if you meant this as that, but I don't think the Bengals are obscure. Like I, I think they should be. No, no, of, no. I, I don't. Know. I don't think they are. Like, I was like talking, Jamar Chase has a top it. five ceiling among wide receivers, yeah, and yeah. I bet he comes in around 5%. Um, because everyone's trying to get it to Justin Jefferson, which yet again makes Cooper Cup an amazing play. Last week, Devontae Adams was 1,300 in the Cooper Cup, and everyone's brains just stopped working. Um, and thus, 
even though Adams came in at 40% in small field. Uh, Cooper Cup came in 9 10% in small and large field because everyone just yeah. stopped thinking. Everyone just was like, yeah. oh, well, why would I get up to Cooper Cup if I can get up to Devontae Adams? And it's because every receiver can fail you except for Cooper Cup. He never lets you down. Yeah, yeah, we and we actually like we probably would notice a lot more, but we actually did nail that last week. Playing Cup at half of the ownership or even less than half of the ownership, Devonte was it was a smash basically in in ninety percent of, of slates. But then obviously uh, Tua and, and Lamar just go absolutely bonkers. So if you're if you weren't heavy on that game, you just weren't winning tournaments. Um, yeah, I mean as far and as far as the obscure offices or just offices that like like I think some people might look at. I think probably like Seahawks and Falcons are are going to pop in some value reports because they're affordable and they're going to probably let you get to some higher price players if you do want to do that this week. But uh, those offenses, that game, it just I, I just don't see it having the ceiling of some of these other games where, again, sometimes where, you know, if you only need to fade like one or two of these really good offenses in a week where a lot of them are on prime time, I, I think you could do stuff like that. But I, I just don't think this is the week to do that. What we'll probably talk about this as we get into positions, but what do you think the the cost is of going down at quarterback because it seems like as you mentioned everyone considers Marcus Mariota a value in the slate because they're thinking his rushing upside 18 carries or two games now can match whatever the higher end quarterbacks do but I, I think it's I think it takes a lot off the plate like I don't think it's worth it personally I I definitely agree with that I think if you're going to try to save it quarterback like do it on the opposite side of one of these games that could be a shootout, right? Like I think the obvious one maybe um, is golf on the other side of the Vikings. Like he's, he's going to be a little cheaper than these guys, but at least you're getting a quarterback in a really good game environment. Or if you're just, you know, going to a, uh, a Mariota just to save salary, like the chance of that game environment being conducive to him hitting, I don't, I don't know at, at five K or whatever on DraftKings, you still want to hit, I don't know, 24, 25 points. It's going to be pretty tough for him to do. I was looking at golf as well since, I mean, Swift's an awesome play. I, I don't know how many people will play Swift, especially because he, he was limited again on Friday. He's questionable, even though he averaged 12 yards per touch on 50% of the snaps last week. And it's just as ideal of a spot against Minnesota's front seven. Yeah. So, yeah, but I but you can bring golf along on Swift or you could just go elsewhere altogether. We'll get to those players. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, before we do get into all of those positional players, I just want to let everybody know that today's podcast is brought to you by No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play Pick'em Contest for other people for a shot at winning $250,000 in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every single day. You can also... Test your skills against the house and 20x your entry if all of your picks hit. Bet up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league. Sign up now with the promo code 444 at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app to get a first-time deposit match up to $25. Make sure you check out No House Advantage and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not how you play, but it's also where you play. You do not want to miss out on no house advantage. Um, let's jump into those quarterbacks. And you mentioned the Bengals game. You like that game. You also like Joe Burrow's salary. Talk to me about him. So when we're looking at where we can save on the site. Again, I think everyone's going to go down to both Kirk Cousins and Marcus Mariota if they don't pay down for, or if they don't pay up for Josh Allen. 
And so what I, I what I think is going to happen is that Burrow may go slightly overlooked, and it's just um an amazing spot. Like their Bengals are still passing where it matters most. Uh, Burrow has 16 dropbacks in the red zone, and the issue is that he's just 7 to 15 right now, whereas last year he completed 60% of his passes inside the 20. But we still have faith that hopefully that can click. They only have five carries in the red zone all year, and, and Joe Mixon has totaled one yard on those carries because he's 30th right now and yards before contact. The offensive line that supposedly was good on paper has been a disaster so far. So, yeah, I, I do like getting those Burrow double premium stacks at lower ownership than what normally we would get them at. Yeah, the the, the tough thing about uh, this week is that a lot of these premium quarterbacks, or at least the quarterbacks in good spots, also have really expensive pass catchers tied to them. So uh, even though Jamar is up in that, that higher salary tier, um, if you're saving a couple bucks with Joe Burrow, you you aren't allocating so much salary and then obviously less ownership to that one stack. Whereas like if obviously the bills are in a great spot, but just use them as an easy example, Whenever you're stock, uh, stacking Josh Allen with with Stephon Diggs, you just need that combo to hit so perfectly because they're taking up so much of your salary. Burrow gives you a little bit more leeway at 66 on DK and, and 75 on on FanDuel. Um, so so I, I think I, I do like that. I mean, you mentioned the O line. You you think they they get a little bit of a um, I don't want to say a rest, but a, a little chance to uh, to get things glued together a little bit against the Jets, who struggled a little bit last week um, against the passing game. I do, yeah. And really what I'm trying to do in this slate is get the game right because there there are too many options. Like they're just good offenses and good players at every range in every single way. So I'm literally just trying to get my core game stack right. And you can do this one a lot of different ways. Uh, I hate to be the person that chases Garrett Wilson after a little breakout week, um, but but you could always bring him back too. No one's going to play Elijah Moore since it hasn't happened through games, or so you could always bring that back as well. Remember, at the beginning of the season, we thought that Elijah Moore would lead this team in targets anyhow, and so after two games, it doesn't make any sense really to come off that bias. So, yeah, I just think there are a lot of ways you can play this game. Yeah, l- luckily for like if if you do want to play this and, and bring it back with Jets, even though Wilson does get his his breakout week last week, um, I don't think people are going to chase that just because there's so many good spots. I, I think he should be pretty comfortably in the single digits. So uh, I, I think you'll get a no matter how you bring it back with the Jets if you decide to, I think you'll get uh, some some low ownership there. Uh, I I am going with um, just one of our top values. Um, this guy's going to be very popular, Jalen Hurts for the Eagles. But 8,100 Fandle, 7,600 on DK in a game where the Eagles have a 27-point um, implied point total. Uh, he is going to, unless he gets up to Josh Allen-level salaries, um, he's going to probably project as one of our best values every single week until that salary spikes just because of how he accumulates fantasy points. He's obviously going to get you um, a ton on the ground. He's averaging 74 yards per game on the ground, but they are doing what we hoped they would be doing when they added AJ Brown. And that is passing more the 12th in passing rate over expectation. They're eighth in neutral passing rate. Uh, If you go back to the first half of last year, we kind of knew Sirianni wanted to do this, but then with Hertz struggles, they had to dial it in. Now Hertz is that we, I think I've said it every week. I think there are three double bonus guys, uh, three guys that even have double bonuses in their range of outcomes. Two of them are quarterbacks. We saw it last week with Lamar hitting the double bonus, just the fourth double bonus ever on DraftKings. Jalen Hurts has that kind of potential every week. We see it with his 288 uh, passing yard average. I already mentioned the 74 on the ground. 
Um, Washington is bottom 10, even though it is only two games. So we've got to be a little careful with our, our matchup stats uh, until we get bigger samples. But ten, uh, bottom 10 in EPA per pass play um, allowed. And, and as I, I talked about in the intro, this isn't a slate where I'm really looking to uh, veer off of these top quarterbacks. I, I think more uh, importantly, even someone like Hertz who's probably going to drop, I don't know, 12, 13 percent ownership uh, could get a little bit higher just look for ways to be unique around him and luckily a lot of the stacking ownership is probably going to go to goddard with him because goddard's cheap so even though hertz is a good play by himself uh he'll drag up aj brown and, and Devontae smith a little bit but i don't think either of their ownerships will get outlandish i think Jalen hurts is the lock cash game play on both sides if you want a very large field run back. And I don't think we needed any more, but initially where I, my head was at before we thought we are now going to get maybe Zamir White and a couple other cheap running backs. Yeah. Um, I, I thought J.D. McKissick was also a good run Ooh, back. Interesting. He, he's, he's still out snapped. Antonio Gibson, 14-5 on third and fourth down this year. And then last year, as we saw, or last week, as we saw, week one, not involved because it's a positive game script. Uh, negative game script, though, this is still J.D. McKissick's offense. Uh, seven targets for a 15% target share. So, like, if you think Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense just pile it on them, like, J.D. McKissick is going to be out there for seven to ten targets. Yeah, I actually like that a lot, especially on DraftKings. Obviously, you're going to save salary, and then you're going to exclusively on DraftKings. Yeah, yeah. you're, you're going to roll up those PPR points um, are really good. And like he's he's that's always like an interesting type play because obviously it makes like it makes sense for large field because you get super low ownership. But like, does he have the ceiling to take out a large field? It, it's almost like you know maybe he works in small field stuff too because if he does get you, I don't know, twelve PPR points or something, that's not a crazy ceiling, but it might be enough to keep. Um, a really strong stack afloat um, in like a hundred man or, or 200 man or something like that. So I, I do like that. I, I went really, really deep um, in this game on the write up the, on the GPP breakdown on four for four. So if you do really want to think about a lot of different ways to attack this game, um, I would encourage people to go check that out. Another game that I talked about a lot, and I think this is maybe the best tournament play on the slate is your top running back this week. Yeah. And that's because as we know, a lot of people are going to take on Kirk Cousins' salary, and I think there's a good reason to. Also, they will likely bring along one of, if not both, Justin Jefferson, who is is 600 cheaper, I think it is, than Cooper Cup on DraftKings, and then Irv Smith sitting there at 3,100. And honestly, like Dalvin Cook has just as good of a matchup as Kirk Cousins. 23 carries or 23 touches we saw in Week One, and then game scripted off the field in the second half because the Vikings trailed 24 to seven after two quarters, but he's still quietly run around on 71% of cousins dropbacks. So he's out there for passing downs. And also it's a, it's such a good leverage play because not only against the passing game, trying to soak up the touchdown equity, but if Dalvin cook succeeds, it's because Irv Smith fails because like week one, Johnny Munt is their run blocking tight end when Munt out snapped Irv Smith 40 to 19. Whereas last week, Irv Smith was out there more as a pass catching tight end. So, like, if the running game's working, Irv Smith's not on the field. And so that helps us get leverage against Irv Smith. So, I, I love Davin Cook this week. Yeah, he's he he was actually my my cover boy for uh, the GPP write up. And uh, 
obviously, uh, you, you mentioned how much people are going to be on that passing game. The the Vikings are projecting as our highest cumulative passing game ownership on both FanDuel um, and DraftKings. A lot of people, because of all of these really good receivers and really good spots, a lot of people are going to be paying up at the wide receiver position. Uh, we're, we're going to see a lot of running back values pop up, uh, whether it be my guy or someone like Zamir White that you mentioned. Um, David Montgomery is probably going to be pretty popular. So all these cheapest running backs are going to be popular. We've seen CMC did have 100 yards last week, but uh, he hasn't found the end zone. We saw JT and, and Derrick Henry have struggled early in the season. So people have been burned by these high-priced running backs. So if you do pay up for running back, in addition to leverage off the guys you mentioned, it's going to be a really nice way to get you unique with just with your roster build. Um, and I, I think you can make the argument that Dalvin Cook is is cash viable because they are six-point favorites. We know that his usage is through the roof, like you mentioned, or it should be. I mean, he, he got game scripted out last week, like you said, but the, a 10-touch game or six-carry game for Dalvin is not the norm. We know the norm for him is easily 20-plus uh, touches, and, and I think you should um, see that in that game. Now, I don't know if I'll be able to get up to, to – uh, running back in my cash game builds, maybe if, if like you pair him with Zamir, but um, I, I think Dalvin is really just a fine play in every. And format. this is this is the first week where cash games have some variations. The first yeah. two weeks, at least five or six players were easily mm-hmm. just locked in. You maybe had a one v one if yep. you were doing it right, but yeah, this is the first time where okay, well you got David Montgomery there who chalked David Montgomery in tournaments. How many times have we done this? It's easy to get off, but. In like cash games, he's right there at a great salary on DraftKings, so yep. it's easy to lock in. But yeah, Dalvin Cook, uh, we're not sure yet. We're still waiting. Yeah, and since we are running back, I, I, I briefly mentioned it. I, I think you noted it too. If, if Josh Jacobs is out, Zamir is going probably going to be the chalkiest player on the slate. Um, he will be a cash game lock, so that that will change how people are thinking about it. Um, I, I, I really we're going to have to think really hard about how I feel about Zamir in tournaments. I would have to see what his ownership comes in at, but I, I kind of have a sneaking suspicion that um, I'm going to end up liking the Titans side of that game. If, if the Raiders get steamed up. That's a, that's, that's a good pickup right there. If you're yeah. talking about running Derrick Henry <laughs> instead of Zamir, that's, yeah, 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 that's, yeah, that's the that's leverage. Not- yeah, that is that is a very very good trade off. Um, my running back is Leonard Fournette at seventy two hundred on Fanduel, uh, sixty five hundred on DraftKings against the Packers. He projects as a top five running back value on four for four on Fanduel. He's our top value across all positions on DraftKings. Down at sixty five hundred, uh, he is probably he is probably again. I I have to see how the Zamir thing plays out. Probably one of my locks in cash this week in tournaments. He will be one of, if not the most popular uh, running back on the slate. Um, again, except for Zamir, maybe. Um, but he, down at 6,500 on DK, I think it's absolutely fine. He's not going to be like a 30% or 40% owned guy. So in tournaments, you can um, you can eat the chalk with him and, and try to get unique elsewhere. I, the, the only concern I, I kind of have about this game is just that it's really slow and there's not a lot of scoring. But I mean... They could also just with their top three receivers out, just everything goes through Fournette. Um, it's kind of already been the case, 24 and a half touches per game. We saw the target share go up a little bit last week after he didn't get a lot of targets in week one. And, and that is consistent with what we saw last year. He was a huge target share guy for Tom Brady. Um, the Packers are 30th in rush EPA per play allowed. And the Bucks, uh, surprisingly, I, I, if if this change, I don't think it changes this week. They have the six highest rush rate neutral game script. Uh, probably don't go back to throwing super heavy until they get all their all their pass catchers back, unless you have a, a different read on that. 
No, 49 touches for Fournette so far on the year without a touchdown, which is insane, especially because, like you said, the offense runs through him. And I don't even think, like everyone else, that it's because of their wide receiver injuries. I think because of their offensive line injuries, this is sort of what we should have expected, that Brady no longer the past two years, right? A league-high 40 pass attempts per game, down to 30 attempts per game the past two weeks. I think this is just their new offense to lean on an elite defense. And it makes great sense in a matchup for the pack against the Packers that just allowed eight and a half yards per carry to the Bears last week. And so, as you said, the usage increased for Fournette in week two, but also like he squeezed out Rashad White entirely. 24 of 26 running back touches. Like if you told me to lean on one, because right now for tournaments, it looks like Fournette, David Montgomery, and Samir White, assuming we don't have Josh Jacobs, are going to be like the three highest owned, highest rostered running backs. Uh, I'm definitely going Fournette. I'm finding 600 for Fournette over Montgomery. It's not even close. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, he, like, yeah, that, that's Montgomery Chuck. I, I just don't think that's just everyone ever, ever going to be one that, that I lean into. Um, and obviously, you know, it could bite you, but when you got, as you mentioned, that 600 buck difference, I, I think it's a, a pretty, it made, it made sense 48 hours ago, but it's not just severe <laughs> either. Like it's, yeah. it's like we, we could get, uh, Mac Hollins, like um, kind like yeah. of Renfro ruled out. Like we're we're getting actually a lot of value on the slate. It's bad value, but like everyone's going to gravitate to the same player. Like last week, uh, the pivot from well, well, Ashton Doolin was a good play, but everyone went to the same cheap receivers. When then the tournament players, the good ones, just pivoted to Brashad Perryman at single digits. So like mm-hmm. we'll have enough cheap options here where we can just take the the one that's going overlooked. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Moving on to wide receiver, uh, I mean, this is another player. We, we see this every year. Players just start, comes on as strong as ever, and then it just takes time for the salary to catch up. Like sites just aren't going to price a guy that was starting at 6K and, and move him up to 9K in two weeks. Um, your guy fits that that range, and he's actually uh, in the same game as, as the last player you are talking about. I took the easy way out because no, man, this a is- couple <laughs> weeks ago I mentioned Barkley. I compared him to Cooper Cup as the guy whose salary just gets left behind, yep. but uh, I miss I missed it because the guy whose salary is not increasing like it should is actually Amon Rice Brown because now for literally eight games in a row, this isn't just this year, this is eight games in a row, he's had at least 10 targets and eight catches with a touchdown in six consecutive games now. It goes back all the way to last season, uh, a stretch where he's been a top five receiver in that span. So until his salary catches up, we play the sun god each and every week. Yeah, I I don't think um, there's I, I think there's a pretty small chance that I have uh, I I don't have Amonra Dalvin in mm-hmm. like my my small field um, higher stakes stuff. I, I think that's just a a great way to attack that game. Uh, the, the guy that will be very very popular, but I have to mention him because he is such a good value on both of our sites is Stephon Diggs, a top three wide receiver value on both FanDuel and DraftKings, according to four for four projections, uh, 8,300 on FanDuel, 7,700 on it DK. So, um, priced up, uh, appropriately on, on FanDuel at 7,700 on DK, um, where guys like cup and, and, and Jefferson are over that nine K range. You're obviously getting a really big discount on a player that has just as much floor, just as much ceiling as any wide receiver in the league. Nine targets in both games translates to a 33% target share. Um, obviously, we saw what his ceiling can be last week in two and a half quarters, basically. Um, the, the the One of the best fantasy games, uh, if not the best fantasy game, um, 
uh, of of his career. Uh, the Bills, we know they're going to throw up pass heaviest team in the league. Whether you look at something like passing rate over expectation, passing neutral game script, have you chop it up? We know the Bills are going to chuck it. Uh, their their running back is a three way committee that I don't think you need to worry about too much if you're uh, if you want to get the points from the Bills. You go through their passing game. Stephon Diggs is a value compared to those those other teams. Dolphins are bottom five in explosive play rate allowed. Obviously, those numbers are quite skewed by that big uh, big shootout with the uh, Ravens last week. But obviously. Bills have just much uh, firepower as the Ravens, um, if not a lot more. So uh, Stefan Diggs will definitely be um, in my cash lineups, especially with the guys that we've mentioned that are probably going to open up the salary as the weekend moves on. But as I talked about uh, earlier, it's really, really tough to justify Allen Diggs stacks in tournaments because if I'm allocating that much salary i don't want that much ownership too it's just a really really tough combination to come back from obviously their ceiling is as high as anybody's but you're just you need them just to hit so perfectly if you pair them together how, how do you um how do you navigate like are you ever playing even though it is josh allen are you ever playing that combo um with their kind of ownership and, and their salaries in tournaments Usually I would say you can bring along someone else for an Allen double stack to get you. Yeah. And I think you can still do that. Uh, you can go Jake Kumaro as your cheap option here. Uh, if, if Gabriel Davis is ruled out, you could play Gabriel Davis. If he, even if he's, as long as he's active, you could take that injury chance as well. So I think there's still ways to do it, but it is tough. Uh, but also like, this matchup has gotten better for the Dolphins as we moved along because I, I thought it was really easy just to fade two off a career game at first. But then as we <laughs> yeah. moved along through injury reports here, the Bills are now starting two rookie cornerbacks and yeah. Jordan Phillips, who's top three in pressures in the league, is ruled out. So like the matchup from the Dolphins side of the ball too to push the Bills is great. And the issue is we haven't seen Stephon Diggs hit his ceiling yet, oddly enough. Like uh, in week one, he ran eight fewer routes than Gabriel Davis, 83% on Allen's dropbacks and then last week didn't play in the fourth quarter. So like, even though he had a 120 and three touchdowns, so it's just, it, it's like, it's still, there's still so much there. He's averaged 11 and a half targets and a 32% target share. He's averaging 35 and a half fantasy points per game. And there's room to grow given how, given his usage through the first two games. So it's crazy. I, I don't think I'm, you know, whether he, I play with Allen or not, man, I don't think I can get off him. I think I have to eat it. Yeah, um, I I think you can uh, attack this game a lot of ways. I, I think if I do end up with digs in my lineups, it's probably as a bring back into a stacks. Um, I, I Josh Allen is a player that I'm more likely to play in my larger field stuff, just because if I if I am making 20 lineups, it's pretty hard um, to justify not having a couple of those being Josh Allen. But in single entry or three max stuff, smaller field stuff, um, uh, you, you've got to plant your flag somewhere, right? And, and I'm just usually not going to give that much salary to two players, two popular players. Um, so small field stuff, probably off Allen. Larger field stuff where I'm making a bunch of lineups, I, I, I probably jam that in there. I love your next receiver. And he actually wasn't even on my radar until I looked at your, your stuff today. So talk to me about Juju and the chiefs in general. Cause um, chiefs, you talked about top like teams that might fly a little bit under the radar. Chiefs are the ones might be the ones that get lost in the shuffle. I think there's a chance the Bengals could get steamed by Sunday morning. I don't think there's any chance in hell. The chiefs and Colts side of the ball get steamed. 
So whether yeah. you want to play, like Jonathan Taylor has the highest ceiling on this slate, is being used over Naheem Hines on third downs. He's outsnapped Naheem Hines on third and fourth down, and yet no one's going to play him at all. So like yeah. you could easily get Mahomes, who you could argue has the highest ceiling at quarterback, Travis Kelsey, who definitely has the highest ceiling at tight end, and Jonathan Taylor has the t- highest t- highest ceiling at running back, and you can get them all for I'm I genuinely think less than 15% combined. And like how oh, yeah. often can we actually say that indoors as well? And so it's just um it's just an awesome spot to get on all of them. But I also have because when I ask myself, where am I spending down? Uh if I'm going Mahomes, it's not just Kelsey, it's also gonna be someone else. And you can choose Judas Schuster, for example. That's my example, but it doesn't have to be him. Like he's an analogy for Marquez Valdez Scantling. And honestly, for, for super large field, if you want to get cute with 3,400 Sky more on, on DraftKings, I'm okay with that too. After B- Eric Bienemy said he quote unquote guaranteed that Moore would see more than two snaps moving forward. That could be five snaps, by the way. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, exactly. But nonetheless, like MVS still leads the team in routes run. So you can get the usage if you want. He's only total 57 receiving yards, but you can still get that usage. And Juju was at least successful in week one and has still run the second most routes by far on this team. So I do like. Again, looking for somewhere to pay down. Even if you don't go Kelsey, you can go two wide receivers with Mahomes. Uh, and again, this Chiefs offense is going to be completely overlooked. So I like this matchup a ton. Remember, when the Chiefs played Gus Bradley and the Raiders last year, Gus Bradley, of course, coordinating now for the Colts, they ran the Raiders the highest rate of cover three. They don't change their scheme at all. I talked about this on Move the Line, and Mahomes averaged a 74% completion rate and nearly nine yards per attempt for 330 yards per game in their two matchups. And it would have been more if they needed him in the second matchup. He went 20 to 24, and the Chiefs won 48 to 7. So they didn't need him at all. Uh, and so, yeah, if the Colts hang around, like this game could go nuts, and no one's talking about it. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the good thing about the Chiefs is is they don't they're not a team that necessarily needs to be pushed. Like Andy Reid will let them drop a fifty spot on a team that they're that they're blowing out. Um, but for for conversation's sake, for argument's sake, can't if Michael Pittman plays, can the Colts push the Chiefs, or is it just like if they do push the Chiefs, is it because Jonathan Taylor's going off? Uh, I think it's both. I think both yeah. can happen. Yeah, I so think you can I, you can I, literally pick your poison. Uh, I, I've had lineups where I put Michael Pittman in there too because I don't think he'll be rostered either. Yeah, I, I have a little bit. Um, is Matt Ryan washed concerns? But um, but, That's, but I mean, <laughs> I agree. But also, like week three, you know, when we get to week six or seven, we'll know if Matt Ryan's washed. Uh, yeah. In week three, we could at least justify that. Okay, week one did not go well. I understand. Uh, week two, I throw out the door. Given that I've talked about this on other shows too, but. The Colts ran 90 plays in 70 minutes of football and then traveled to the East Coast for an early kickoff. Like It was always ready to be a disaster for them in that game, which is why I played Jaguars defense right last week in tournaments. But this week, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to put that aside and just say, okay, this is the last chance. If, the, it's, if there's a game where the Colts are going to be good, it has to be at home and finally with a little bit of a rest here. Yeah, you uh, you actually, um, I'm glad you brought up the Jags because they were not on my radar going into uh, Sunday, and you you talked about them. I don't remember if it was an article or or on here, but uh, luckily they made it into one last minute Fanduel lineup. So uh, I think it was Discord. I, 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 I mentioned correlating James Robinson and Jaguars defense and Discord. Yep. Both of them, yeah. were great. 
Yeah, see, so get in the Discord because uh, I mean, I, I, I didn't have Lee any Tua. <laughs> it didn't matter because uh, I didn't have any Tua, but uh, yeah, yeah, we got that right at least. Did I didn't completely lose my shirt with that Tua. Um, I, I'm going back to the well on a guy that was very popular last week in Greg Dortch, uh, 5,100 Fandle, 4,300 on DK. Um, again, like we mentioned, there there should be a lot more value opening up on the slate. So uh, even since this morning, it looked like there might be it might be hard to find guys to pay down for. But I think this is still a, a pretty good spot. We saw his targets take a little bit of a dip from from nine down to four. Um, but but he had a couple yards and, and a few catches, so it wasn't a complete disaster last week at, at near minimum salary. A little bit higher than minimum salary this week. Um, but we still got Rondell Moore uh, already ruled out for a potential shoot get shootout in the late game window against the Rams. Uh, we saw like Arizona was through six quarters of the season. It was like, man, maybe Arizona really is the worst team. Uh, you know what? One of the, the biggest disappointments in the league and for uh, for two quarters and some uh, and some time, they finally got it together and, and looked like they could have some uh, at least splash plays or or splash games um, in them. And the Rams are a good team to have it against. Rams are bottom four and pass EPA per play allowed. So I, I, I'm okay going back to Dorch and just this game in general. It's it's an interesting week. Last week I talked about one of the most important things was late swap, and I spent a ton of time late swapping last week. This week is really really weird because most of the good games and good plays are on the early window. So it's actually going to be like a obviously you still want to be doing late swap, but we just don't have like all of this chalk coming in super late. So um, a lot of our, a lot of us are just going to be scoreboard watching and, and, you know, if things go right for us, you know, it's, it's probably going to be a lot of us at the top of the leaderboards and hoping nobody catches us instead of late swapping. Um, Also another reason to um, play multiple slates. Another reason I didn't lose my shirt last week is I've made it a point this year to play all three slates, early window, late window, and obviously the main slate. Um, You just get bigger sample. I think it's a good idea. And last week, another big picture takeaway is that the winners of tournaments, I talked about this on Sunday when I do the just quick little recap for everyone, show them winning lineups before you go in depth about them on Wednesday. Um, But what happened was the winners of tournaments actually, you know, we talked about the afternoon, the chalk and everything. They just overplayed the early slate. They just attacked it thinking, knowing that everyone was waiting for the afternoon slate. So it was actually a really good overarching strategy. And that's that's how they won. Well, they also won because six touchdowns from Tua, but they they won with overarching strategy as well. So it was it was a good point. We got flooded with questions from Discord last week about late swap. And it was just kind of like, I wanted to help as much as possible, but uh, it was, uh, if, if you didn't have two, I was like, yeah, you could keep late swapping, but uh, but but man. I mean, I, I, I had to swap on to like, Damian Pierce and even he got there and it just didn't matter. Like it just, yeah. Nah. Well, especially because I had Trey Lance. So who cares? Um, speaking of speaking of two, let's be forward facing instead of uh, looking in the rearview mirror. Talk to me about Mike Isecki, uh at tight end. You asked, how do you get the Bills in tournaments? And I will tell you, everyone will be dragging along Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, but with Cedric Wilson. Injured rib, game time decision, doesn't look like he's going to play, getting increased out of the way, we think. That gives, yet again, Mike Sicky increased usage. Like last week, he ran around 64% of dropbacks uh, compared to his route on 40% of dropbacks in week one because he was basically used as their third receiver since they don't 
essentially have one. They can yeah. call River Craycraft their third receiver. It's actually Mike Jasicki. So if Cedric Wilson's rolled out again, going to Jasicki is the unique way to get like the 2% guy to bring along in a game stack with your Bills players. That's why I bring him up. Yeah, I think that's um I think that's fair. I mean, he's I mean, he's basically uh him and Dawson Knox are kind of the same play this week. Like you're you're really just bringing them along for uniqueness. I think that the more I think it through, I I think I probably do like Gasicki more as the bring back than like forcing Knox into a double with Diggs. But uh, but I, I think if you're just looking as as we mentioned at the beginning, a game like this, I think that's how you attack this game. You you go you have to have a player that's going to be on the field for eighty percent of the snaps, um, even if there aren't like overlying metrics that are just screaming at us that that they're going to pop. Um, when there's a lot of scoring to be had being on the field helps you score right so even, even though uh Gaseki isn't someone that we're like gonna he's probably like still like a stitch sit start question in redraft he actually probably does make a lot of sense in addition to game stacks and dawson knox questionable so just be aware of yeah that. yeah 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 i was just using him as as an example in in this game um tj hawkinson is is kind of a similar play as well uh with uh, a lot more leverage you mentioned him on Ross st brown the, the nice thing about TJ Hawkinson, 5,200 Fandle, 4,200 or DraftKings in that big game against Minnesota is that he is going to be massive leverage off of Irv Smith, who you mentioned at the top, uh, is probably going to be, again, save maybe Zamir if Josh Jacobs doesn't play. Irv might be the only player that's over 30% ownership on the slate. And I love paying down at tight end. I really, really do not. I, I probably like taking on 30% ownership on a tight end that isn't Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews. I probably like doing that less than I like spending all that salary for, uh, for Diggs and, and Josh Allen. Like at least we could comfortably project them really well. Right. When we just see this runaway ownership on cheap tight ends is just not something we see uh, be successful in tournaments. He is going to be my cash game lock or Smith is, but TJ Hawkinson on the other side is just, he's still a top two value on DraftKings. So you could actually make the argument that if uh, that, that he is cash viable in a vacuum um, don't, you know, just fade Irv Smith for ownership in in cash games. But uh, I, I love TJ Hawkinson, seven targets in both games this season, 20% target share, 80% route uh, participation rate on an offense that has been very pleasantly surprising. And, and I think that this game, I, I was actually like, I mean, Minnesota is, is fine. I was surprised the spread was six points. I, I thought it would be a little bit closer because I think this just can be um, a, a really good, fun fantasy shootout game. Yeah, my only concern is that Amon Ross St. Brown is the one, is the reason T.G. Hawkinson's failing now. Because remember, St. Brown didn't play 80% of the snaps until Hawkinson was ruled out for the year last season. And from that point forward, Amon Ross St. Brown hasn't turned around. And he, they, they have the same A dot. So like he's just eating away at the same yeah. exact area of the field where Hawkinson yep. gets his targets. That's why sure. like no one's competing with D.J. Shark. The issue is those targets to D.J. Shark are also inaccurate, so it really doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, that, that's my only concern here. However, there are a lot of options at tight end, and I'll just direct everyone to the article I wrote on 44.com because I added more. We're going to get a lot of cheap options here. And so I would just say correlate it to your game stack. Absolutely. And and like tight end is I, – I don't love like a standalone tight end unless it is like a Kelsey or Andrews because most tight ends, whether it be – 
Kasiki or Hawkinson, they're when they're really going to succeed, it's usually going to be game environment, right? Because they're just not getting crazy volume. So, like, I, I correlate, I'm cognizant of correlating my tight end, obviously, quarterback, wide receiver stats or quarterback pass catcher stats, but I, I would say I'm cognizant of correlating my tight end more than any position. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I will say that Farrell Brown for the Texans, Brevin Jordan was ruled out. Farrell Brown got a full practice on Friday after not practicing all week. He's questionable. We'll see what happens. But if OJ Howard just left there, I will just tell everyone, whatever you do, just know that the David Montgomery, OJ Howard skinny stack would then be 75, 80% rostered. Like just be very <laughs> yeah. careful about what happens yeah. Sunday morning. If you get that Farrell Brown news. Yeah. Um, I, this is going to be a really, really good week to um, not, build lineups before Sunday. Cause uh, you're going to get, uh, I was talking to our producer Sal about this before. Like one of the biggest downfalls about building early is you just get anchored to your ideas and then want, don't want to come off them. I think this week it's going to be really important just to wait to get all the news on Sunday. I know it's nice to build and, and you know, but wait to Sunday to build this week. It's going to be pretty crazy. Um, one of my favorite things about DFS is that I will often have a, uh, an offense that I like and also have defense that I like in the same game because they're doing with range of outcomes. And uh, you got that this week with your defense. Well, if Burrow and the Bengals do get steamed, again, I, got, I think there's a much greater chance that happens. Everyone gets onto them as opposed to the Chiefs offense. I'm not worried about anyone playing the Chiefs, which is why I'll, I'll probably end up there. But if people get on the Bengals, remember, they just have faith. Like, it's just hope, and hope is not a strategy. So you can easily <laughs> pivot and leverage the Jets' defense knowing Bengals has taken 13 sacks and are struggling in the red zone. There's no guarantee that they don't struggle in the red zone and continue to not, and just some for some reason, don't take sacks in this game. So I'd be totally fine playing the Jets defense. Yeah, I agree with that. And this week is um, pretty interesting because for the first couple of weeks, there's been maybe one or two pay down options at defense. And, and we saw last week with the Bengals, they were a Monday night special. That's why they're so cheap. But uh, those ownerships got really high. This week, there's actually quite a few pay down options. So there are all, all these teams like the Jets. They're kind of kind of cannibalize each other's ownership. So I, I don't think we see any defense get way out of hand in terms of ownership. So I, I think you could be pretty liberal, liberal with with defenses that you want in good spots because i just don't think there's going to be anybody that exceeds 20 percent. one of the teams that should be somewhat popular is the raiders down at 3400 on fandle 2500 on dk i think in a vacuum on a regular week if you go back to like last week and and you put them in, in the Bengals spot they would be like a 25 percent defense um this week i think maybe they'll be like 12 12 percent uh ish but they probably end up being my my cash game play even though I do like the Titans a lot as a tournament play, but the Raiders, the 3,400 um, Fanduel, 2,500 DraftKings. After what we, we've seen, we've seen the Titans look pretty bad um, uh, so far this year. So uh, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know how much longer till we get the the Malik Willis era. Um, obviously, that was garbage time that he played last week. But if they keep playing like this, um, the defenses could have have some field days against them. But like. People last week who knew what the Bengals were going to do, we didn't expect 41% in the million maker. Like 41% in large field is still atrocious. That's a greatest yeah, tournament wild. building, everyone. I, um, I had him at crazy. 30 in our 30 to 35% range. And I, we have a model, and, and sometimes I'll, I'll tweak pretty heavily with it, but I, I try to trust machines more than me. And I was like, I just can't imagine a defense gets over 
a third on a third of the rosters. And sure enough, 41%. To, to be fair, though, we're not going to see anything like last week, I imagine, for the rest of the season. Um, on small field, on small field fan duel, Derek Carr was 45% rostered. A quarterback reached 45%. Uh, Devontae Adams, we talked about on DraftKings, was over 40%. And Cup sitting there at 9%. Um, and it, it happened at wide receiver two. Amon Ross St. Brown, everyone caught on. He was 35%. It was just absurd last week. We won't see it again. But like last week, when people for the ultimate leverage instead went to the Cowboys defense, which outscored the Bengals defense, I, I'm open to the idea of the Titans defense too. Whether you play Derrick Henry or not, maybe you play Traylon Burks. I don't know what you want to do. But uh, there is some ways to correlate the Titans defense, knowing that everyone will probably get to Zamir White Raiders correlation instead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any any last thoughts on the slate before uh, we kick this thing out of here? Pay attention to injuries. Be in the Discord with us Sunday morning at 10.45 a.m. Eastern because like that's where we'll gather all our thoughts from overnight Saturday, all the Schefter bombs. And uh, yeah, we'll have a much better idea about Sunday morning. It's very early. Yeah, uh, Discord has been uh, really, really great this year. All the subs have been uh, very, very active. And then all of us are active uh, as well, myself and Daigle, uh, giving out our, our tournament um, ideas up to the last minute, even after we finish our show, which is at 1045 a.m. Eastern time. We stay in there. Um, I've, I've been offering some players for my player pool, my cash game core. So when I'm done building, I'm... I'm kind of uh, uh, spilling out all my thoughts in there as much as possible. So uh, subs have been enjoying it. We've been enjoying it. So if you haven't signed up yet, definitely encourage you guys to sign up for four for four. And if you are signed up for four for four, all you have to do is follow the links in the articles to get onto the discord. Um, it's already in there for you. So we appreciate you guys. If you are watching on YouTube and uh, you want to help us out, please like the channel, subscribe to our channel, like the video. It goes a very long way. Whatever podcast platform you're listening on, a very easy way to support us. Give us a five-star rating review. That stuff helps out a ton. Uh, and if you want more of what we're talking about every single week, check us out on Twitter. Daigle is at not J Daigle. 444 is at 444 football. I'm at TJ Hernandez. Talk to you guys Sunday morning.